This is the Family Culture Project, Episode 64, Why Connecting with Your People Matters, with guest Brian Dixon. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. In this hectic world we live in, we often only have the time and the energy to correct our kids, discuss to-dos, and make sure everyone is where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. We're juggling home life, work, marriage, and schedules, and it's no wonder we barely have time for connection. One might think going about our business without slowing down to connect would help us get more done and make us more efficient, but in fact, it really doesn't. So I have a really good example of this. My kids have a pretty typical routine each day after school. We come home, we throw our stuff down in the mudroom, and we sit at the kitchen island to check in with each other and have a snack. And that's typically followed by doing homework. And occasionally, I once they're finished with their homework, I'll ask them to do a few of leftover chores that weren't done in their morning routine. Now, there was one day in particular where my son came home from school, and he wasn't very kind to his siblings. He was short-tempered with his homework, and he really didn't want to listen to my requests. He didn't receive them well, um, my requests to finish tidying up his room that day. In that moment, I had a choice whether I could freak out, punish him for his behavior, or I could take a moment to connect with him and get to the bottom of what was going on. Because my kids aren't perfect, but I can pretty much sense when there's something going on with them. And oftentimes when they are acting out or they're misbehaving, there's typically something that I don't know about that's brewing beneath the surface. And so I took the time to ask him, hey, buddy, what's going on with you today? Like, what happened in school? And he was able to open up to me and tell me all about this group of boys that had excluded him that day on the playground. And it was such a relief to find out that the reasons why he was giving me a hard time had to do with something. And because I took the time to connect with him, to talk to him, I could draw it out from him and give him the opportunity to talk about, which completely changed his attitude and ended up having a pretty nice afternoon after that. Yeah, that's a good example. I mean, I can think of I can think of the same situation applying in work as well. Um, sometimes in work, you're, you're more about just taskmaster. Let's just get this done, move from one thing to the next. But, but times when you can actually take the time, slow down, ask questions, connect with the people that are working for you or working with you, um, it things actually become more efficient and get done to get done better because you're creating some level of a connection. And sometimes maybe you might see a behavior in work where somebody's actually just not themselves. And you can just tell that they're either not at their same level of performance or just maybe they were a little bit on edge in a particular meeting. Um, and if you take the time to connect and try to get try to ask them a few questions and, and get deeper into what may be going on or maybe something that's stressing them out or they're just they just feel a little bit overwhelmed. But quite often you can take some of that concern that they had away by digging a little deeper and you get a much better 
you get a much better relationship with your team. A few simple ways that you can connect with others, especially your children, your spouse, or other family members, is to just ask questions. Don't assume that you always know what's going on or how somebody is feeling. And when you ask open questions, ask open-ended questions. You can also show empathy, which is just the act of recognizing how someone's feeling and their point of view and consider that their point of view is very important to them as well as share your own feelings and thoughts, but only do that when appropriate. Remember that children will listen to you once they feel listened to. Yeah, the empathy part is a really good one. It works, but it's tough, especially for me. (laughs) So when I was able to ask questions, show empathy, and share some of my thoughts and feelings on his subject and, and reflect on some things that I experienced similarly, growing up, I saw a shift in my son's demeanor. He was more patient with himself while he finished up his homework, and he followed up with the things that I asked him to do. We all yearn for this kind of connection. Our spouse, our kids, our parents, siblings, and friends, we all want that connection with them. And we weren't created to be robots going about our day in the most efficient way possible. We were actually meant to do this life with people. And this week's guest, Brian Dixon, had a habit both in business and family of putting projects before his people. And then he had this incredible, unique experience that showed him that this very thing that he thought made him successful might be the very thing that was holding him back from being a success at work and at home. So as a result, he began to master the art of connection and he saw exponential growth personally and professionally. I tend to be one of those people that just want to get things done. So I, I don't slow down. I won't get too personal um, with the thought that I'm compromising my effectiveness. But the reality of that is that it's not true. It's the connections that you create um, that's going to have a greater impact, not only on their lives, but on your lives and your ability to get things done. So if I have a better connection with my wife, with my parents, with my children, with my friends, and with the people that work for me, I'm actually way more effective. As you're listening to this interview, think about the people in your life that you would like to be more intentional about connecting with and come up with one way that you can do that. Hey there, do you know every family is known for something? What do you want your family to be known for? Download our free family culture discussion sheet. In just 30 minutes, you'll explore who you are as a family and discover who you want to become together. Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com and start living a life of purpose with the ones you love today. Be sure to type in the, T-H-E, familycultureproject.com for the free download. Today, I'm talking with Brian Dixon. Brian is passionate about helping authors, speakers, and inspiring messengers create a sustainable business through growing their platform and creating compelling online courses. He is the co-founder of Hope Writers, a membership site of over 2,000 working writers. Brian has a doctoral degree from the University of San Diego. He and his wife, Julie, live in Charlotte, North Carolina with their three young children. Welcome, Brian. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Kimberly, thanks for having me. Um, so a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Our family is known for having an influential home. Our family, when people come to our home, they know that they're going to be welcome. They know that they're going to have, there's a place for them. 
Mm-hmm. And that uh, it doesn't just stop at the at the street at the at the end of our driveway, yeah. but we're making an impact in our neighborhood. So we're known well in mm-hmm. our neighborhood. We're mm-hmm. known well in our in our church in our local town. Yeah. Um, that that our home is one that not only you 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 welcomed in, but you're sent out loved. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic! I love that. Um, now, is that something that you guys were raised in homes like that, or is that something you came together and you're like, we, we want, we want to have a different type of family? Oh, such a good question. Yeah. We, we both, uh, my wife, Julie and I both, both grew up in ministry homes and, in mm-hmm. uh, her, her family, they were missionaries for mm-hmm. years. And then, and then her father became the head of a few mission organizations throughout his career. So mm-hmm. they always had a, uh, like a fishbowl, <laughs> fishbowl yeah. home, right. Where yeah. you're always looking in and trying to figure <laughs> out what's their deal. Yeah. Uh, especially they, they were missionaries in Italy. So the Italians look at them like, who are these crazy Americans yeah. who are talking about God all the time? Yeah. Uh, and then my, my parents were missionaries before they, before they had kids before me. Uh, and then my dad was a professor for years and a, and a, and a pastor. And yeah. so as a pastor's kid, you have people over all the time and we go to people's houses all, all over. Yeah. We go to people's houses all the time. So Julie and I were really used to uh, our home at least needs to be clean once a week because somebody's <laughs> coming over, yes. you know, at least on Sunday, probably hosting a, a Bible study, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But even as we got married, we realized that um, like our home's not for us. You know, our home is a place, yeah. it's a gathering place. Yeah. And, and so it's always been, we've been married 17 years and we've had six homes. Like we've moved around quite a bit, seven, mm-hmm. maybe seven. She would know. <laughs> and, and there's always, we always think like as we're arranging furniture, uh, we're thinking like, okay, where are people going to sit and yeah. how are people going to feel welcomed and what's the tone yeah. of our home? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. So I want to talk about your book. Um, I want to know what caused you to realize that you were putting projects first before people and then you, that, that you needed to then share people your experience. What happened? <sighs> yeah, it was, that was hard. Mm-hmm. Like you think about, um, we all have blind spots Right. Mm-hmm. We all, we all, there's, there's something I know it's, uh, so let's think about somebody else first and then we'll, we'll point it back to ourselves because <laughs> it's easier to see it in other people. Right. It's like the plank eye concept, right? Like <clears throat> you pointing out a speck in your mm-hmm. brother's eye when really you have this huge log in your, in your own eye. And so think about somebody else, what you guys are listening right now, think about somebody else who's kind of doing the same thing you do. Maybe, maybe they're also a blogger. Maybe they're also mm-hmm. a homeschool mom. Maybe they're also on the PTA. Maybe they're also, they also work at a bank, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But somebody who's like in a similar life stage as you and, and similar goals. And think about like one thing they do that just completely uh, annoys you. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. maybe it's the way they talk about themselves all the time. You know, maybe it's that they're late all the time. Maybe it's um, their cologne or their perfume or the way they dress or the way they're always making excuses. Like there's something about them that kind of is off-putting. Like, let's yeah. just be real, right? Yeah. Guess what? They feel the same way about you. <laughs> I know it's hard, it's hard to even think about, but like, yeah. the, like that one person and there's everybody, like everybody that you see there's something about them that either rubs you the wrong way or you're like, if only they could change this one thing. If only yeah. I had an opportunity to tell them the truth and they could hear it without biting my head off, yeah. like it would make their life better. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of live that way too. Like I, I work, you know, I, you know, my work with hope writers and, mm-hmm. and speaking and consulting, I work with a lot of female bloggers and authors. And generally I look at their stuff and I go, Oh, they're awesome. 
but there's this one thing that they could change and their life would be better and their audience would grow and they'd probably finally land that book deal, yeah. whatever it is. And here's the thing, Kimberly, that's, that's true for us too. There's something in our life that's holding us yeah. back from, from moving forward yeah. and we can't see it. It's almost, it's like, it's like people that have dogs, they don't know that their house smells like a house that has dogs. <laughs> like, it's just like, I'm not hurting feelings here. It's just, you have a dog, your house yeah. smells like you have a dog because you yeah. have a dog, you know, mm-hmm. it's just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, we come across a certain way because that's how we come across. Yeah. And so, so I was working with a business coach because I recommend if you, if you want to make an impact, you've got to work with people that can Mm-hmm. speak truth to you yeah, right? absolutely. and tell you the truth. And so he recommended that I do a 360 assessment, mm-hmm. which is basically asking people anonymously for their feedback, basically the high, the low, like what's Brian great at? Where's Brian really stuck? And anonymously, mm-hmm. if you could tell Brian anything, what, what would you say? And you know, you and I have known, known, uh, known each other, known of each other for, for quite a while. Yeah. And, um, and so I've worked with a, a, a number of, you know, mutual friends. And, um, and I, I was just focused so much on projects on just speaking gigs and courses and new ideas. And, and what this 360 assessment told me that people kind of whispered, you know, onto the internet anonymously was Brian puts projects over people Uh that Brian's so focused on the goal that he's missing the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that was hard to hear. (laughs) But life-changing. Yeah. We do. Um, we actually do a 360 peer review for our family, and we do it once Amazing. a year. So yeah. all the kids, we started doing that about, about four or five years ago. So my youngest is 12. So he would have been like, oh, gosh, do the math, right? So 10, mm-hmm. 8, 8, like 7 or 8. Like he was old enough to participate in this. And, of course, Amazing. my uh, my older children. And um, <clears throat> they really had something to say. You know, and our first time we did it, they were like, we don't like that we're always late. And we're like, ooh, like, yeah, we are always late. You know, but the next year we spent figuring out how to be on time. And it's such a great opportunity for our kids. Like we we, we tell them, you can say whatever you want to say. I mean, we're allowed to give feedback too. Um, But you're allowed to say whatever you want to say. And and it often, they they often have the same answers. And they don't do it together. And so, right. like you said, you, there's a common thread that you discover and you're like, ooh, wow, we should work on this. Yeah. Yeah. So now when you started to make the shift and make some changes in your life, what were the changes that you saw within your family and within your work when you started so to really connect with people? Yeah, so many. <clears throat> um, you know, it, it, it start, I think it, success starts at home. And I, I, I love the, the idea of family culture. Mm. Um, especially, especially for the, for those of us that work outside the home, you know, we're thinking like, that's just my home. That's my home base. Like, that's just, that's like the locker room. The, the real game is played on the field. Like the real game is played at my office. Like that's where I have to show up for people. And I would argue, no, we're the way you show up for one person is the way you show up for everybody. The way you show up before you're getting in the car, when you're running late, mm. when the coffee maker isn't working and now you're trying to figure out how do I get my coffee and uh-oh and oh no, you didn't fill the gas. And now you're in the car and you're like, but you, oh, why do you use my car if you're not going to fill up the gas? And then you forgot the thing for the kid, like your whole day, you know what I mean? Like you guys mm-hmm. can relate, right? Like yeah. you're there. A great analogy. Yeah. That's everything. That's, that's, that's how you're going to show up at work. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you work inside the home, like I, I think it's even, it's, it's, it's even compounded 
because, and I, I work from home now. And so the way I treat Julie for the first hour of the day is set, kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day mm. for, for the way that we talk to each other in the evening. Yeah. And if I'm a jerk to her, like <laughs> she's going to remember that at nine o'clock at night after the kids yeah. are finally in bed, Yeah, you know? Oh, so, absolutely. so one little change Kimberly that I, that I made is, is asking the question every, every day is what can I do to make your day? Or, mm-hmm. or like, or like, how can I help today? Like, what can, mm-hmm. what can I do to make your day? And today, yeah. honestly, today I had my schedule, Julie had her schedule and you know, I, I was about to go on a run this morning. It was like seven twenty, and on my schedule, I'm allowed to work out. I'm allowed to hear that. I'm allowed <laughs> to work out until 8, 8 AM. Yeah. And she's like, are you going on a run? And I said, oh, yeah, it's my time. She said, Oh, like my day got moved around and I was hoping to go on a run. And it was like, what do you do in that moment? Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. we looked at it and we said, listen, this is part of our deal is that we follow our calendar. Like I, this is my time. And she mm-hmm. said, it's your time. Like she said that, like, this is yeah. your time. Go, go do your thing. But yeah. then when I got back, we, we got on the same page and I said, okay, like how, how can I make your day? Like, what can I move around? And we looked at it and we said five o'clock tonight, guess who's going on a run? Like Julie's yeah. going to go do her. She's training for a, a half marathon. Yeah. Um, you're going to go do your run. And now guess what? I'm going to fill in and I'm going to do, I'm going to do dinner, dinner prep stuff because you're on a run. And so it's like, what can I do to make your day? Mm -hmm. What that does is it focuses on the people over the projects because right. That's, that's where the difference is made. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about, um, I heard you talk about, you also ask your friends the question, where are you struggling? Cause I started doing that with my son after, um, I talk to you like just in the car while I drive him three nights a week to soccer. And I asked him and he's like, it's good. And then like he paused for a minute and then he just spilled the beans. I mean, it was awesome. Tell me like where, why you started doing that and how, what have you seen with your relationships from that as well? Yeah, where are you struggling? Sometimes that, that, that can be a little too intense. So my, my kind of modified version is (laughs) what are you working through? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina in the, in the South, we're all friendly. Everybody's mm-hmm. friendly, you know, yeah. and it's like, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. End of conversation. And, uh, and, yeah. and what I've learned to do is say, you know, uh, when somebody says, how are you? I'm, I'm awesome. What are you working through? And it sounds like, how are you? Yeah. But when you say, what are you working through? Yeah. Then they pause where they usually say, I'm fine. And then they're like, <laughs> actually, and so what are you working through is really asking like, where in your life are you facing some resistance? Mm-hmm. Where in your life are you a little stuck? And mm-hmm. the reality is our kids and our spouse and ourselves, we go out into the world and we, we, we encounter other people and these relationships and expectations and goals and setbacks and all these things. And then we come back home to our family culture. We mm-hmm. come back home. And if we don't have a, a way to debrief, we don't have a way to process. We don't have a way to, mm-hmm. to encourage each other, to pick each other back up and, and get ready for the battle again tomorrow. Cause some mm-hmm. days let's face it are like a battle, right? Yeah. So like yeah. my son right now, he's in fourth grade. We have him in a Mandarin immersion program. Like the kids learning Chinese every <laughs> oh day my gosh. and his, his teachers from China and the culturally it's teachers always right. Even when she's wrong, teachers yeah. always right. Shut up and do what you're told. Like that's yep. the culture, right? Mm-hmm. Be quiet, follow my orders, do everything perfectly and don't ask any questions. Like mm-hmm. that's just the culture of, of the school. Yeah. And he goes to our little neighborhood school where every other teacher 
is super friendly and nurturing and American, you yeah. know, yeah. but his Be core different. teacher is, is Chinese speaking and she only talks to him in Chinese. So, so he, of course he's having a hard time. Yeah. But so, so he and I, we, uh, we said he was working on his homework. This is like uh, five thirty yesterday. He's working on his homework, and I went into our. We have like this this learning room, like the homework room, you know. Mm-hmm. And I could just feel it. Like you could just feel the tone that like he's frustrated and discouraged. Mm-hmm. So I, I I adjust my height, you know, got down on my on my knees right next to him, so I could look him in the eye instead of mm-hmm. dad towering over him. And mm-hmm. I said, I said, buddy, what are you working through right now? And he just like you said, spilled the beans, like just, oh, my teacher. And, oh, this is so hard. And I wish I could just learn Chinese for fun. Why do I have to take it so seriously? And then I shared the vision with him. You know, I'm a person of faith. And so I shared, listen, God is doing mighty things in your, in your life. You don't know how he can use the skill of Chinese. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, we're not giving up, dude. We are sticking with this, but let's, let's, you just need to know that I'm shoulder to shoulder with you. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to class with you, but when you're, when you're home, like let's lean into each other, you know, I've got your back. Yeah. That's amazing. The power of that question. And it gives you the opportunity to encourage as well, which is fantastic. Um, Cause we oftentimes get too busy to ask those questions and we, we, you know, especially with kids, they're not exactly coming up to us, telling us everything they're struggling with. Like they, they need to be prompted and asked, you know, they're not, right. they're not always forthcoming with it. Um, so you just shared two questions that we could ask our people. Um, but yeah. do you have any other examples of how you've put people first and how we can do that as well in our families? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, first of all, like I, I really believe your mess is your message. You know, that, that the mm-hmm. thing that you struggle with the most is actually the, the thing that people need to hear. Mm-hmm. How, how, did, have, how have you figured it out? And, and the reality is if it's something you truly struggle with, you never over, like, it's still, it's still there. You know, it's, it's, you, you learn skills to deal with it. It's like, it's sort of like, if you look at, if you look at Paul in the Bible, like he had this thorn in the, or this uh, thorn in the side or mm-hmm. the thorn in the flesh, like this idea that like, there's this thing that he never overcame, but you know, God's grace is sufficient in weakness. And that's the same idea. It's like the thing that we're really stuck with, like the thing that we really uh, is, is hard for us. Mm-hmm. Um, like my words can be really biting, like, like really sharp. But also that's like, that's my kryptonite, but it's also my superpower because my words can be really sharp. And so when somebody needs to hear that, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. When somebody needs strategy, like let's talk about it. Like we'll we'll go right there. Um, But also learning that um, the way I come across can be really, really off-putting to people as well. Mm -hmm. And, and so um, to answer your question, um, the, 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 the yeah, there's three questions. What can I do to make your day? What, it, what are you working through? Or, or like, I, I like what you said, like, what are you, what are you struggling with? Mm-hmm. And, and it works with your kids, like talking about family. We have little kids right now. They just, they all just turn the next age. They're mm-hmm. four years old, seven years old and 10 years old. My four year old, I can say like, Hey, like, Hey buddy, what, what are you working? What are we working on today? What are you working through today? What are you thinking about? Like, what are you mm-hmm. dreaming about? Like he understands those questions, you know, yeah. he's a little guy, yeah. but for, for him to say, I'm, this was two days ago. I'm so frustrated. That's what he said. I'm so frustrated <laughs> with his older sister who was bugging him, you know? And it's like, we as parents have the opportunity to set the tone of our home 
Mm-hmm. We have the opportunity that because our kids are going to leave one day, right? Yeah. And and we get to. Um, I, I I I'm a musician, and I used to be in a band, and and so when you play a guitar, that was my instrument. When you play a guitar that's not tuned, it sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. You have to tune all six strings, right, and set it to to the right tone to set it to the right um, the note. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing with our kids. We're we're tuning them, right? We're setting the tone of our home. Yeah. To say this is the kind of this is who we want to be. This is yeah. who we are. Yeah. And then when they leave us, because I used to work with teenagers all the time who would, you know graduate and then eventually they'd come back to the school and say hi. We're when they send them out, they're expecting to hear the same tone. And mm-hmm. when it's dissonant, when when the culture or their workplace or their college or their their new relationship, whatever, doesn't doesn't feel like it doesn't yeah. sound like home. If it, it sounds weird, and yeah. for them to come and and so that we have such an opportunity to speak life into them and to set that tone for the rest of their life, mm-hmm. and that's one of the greatest joys of life, right? Is to yeah. see that your kids are still living out that tone and setting the tone of their home with their yeah. kids. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like I'm, my oldest is 16. So I am, you know, it's colleges, colleges, colleges. And so I feel like I'm right around the corner and I'm, 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 I'm seriously, even though I've been doing this for a long time, really taking a look at our culture and saying, what are we set in place? Just like you, you summed it up really good so that when they leave, what's the contrast that they're going to get? What are we really providing for them? Um, and, and what do they look for? Because yeah. they're going to look for, they don't, nobody loves dissonance. You don't love hearing a song that's like, like it sounds out of tune, right? Yeah. You want a, something that sounds yes. good to you. Yeah. And so in their friend group, right, when they go off to college, mm-hmm. who are the friends that they connect to? They're going to be the ones that uh, feels like, like, like we have a lot in common. Like, yeah. wait, your parents did that too. Like, I, I remember, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. When Julie, <laughs> when Julie and I started dating and there was some, we were, we were at some church thing, I think, and uh, they had the kids program. Like the kids came out and did one song at this church we were, we were going to. Mm-hmm. And we both knew all the words because we both grew up going to vacation Bible school together. Mm-hmm. Like not together, but like right, I yeah. did when, because you know, we didn't know each other. And we looked at each other, we're like, you know all these words? I'm like, <laughs> I do. You know all these words? I do. And we like, yeah. it was this other connection. And that's what we get to do with our kids is we get to build these connections mm-hmm. in, in them every day mm-hmm. with the purpose that one day they're going to go out in the world and they're going to meet people that don't have those same things. And they're going to start to recognize mm-hmm. common commonalities with others yep. that will continue that work that we began. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love that. Um, so we'll quickly touch upon um, how we see kids as a legacy um, and not a liability. Because I are. think we, we get so caught up sometimes in, yeah. like you said, the game and we forget yeah. about the locker room. Every day. Like every day, it's just like, let's just get through this. Like, come on, guys, get on the bus. Like, <laughs> please just leave our house, you know? Or you look at, like, for us, the bus comes around 220. It's like, oh, it's, it's when I look at the clock and it's 210, and I'm like, uh-huh. 10 more minutes? Are you kidding me? Did I do anything today? You know, yeah. or, or whatever it happens to be, or, or they cancel school. You know, mm. your kids didn't have school yesterday, right? It's like, why? Like, who cares what Columbus did? Like, please yeah. <laughs> just go back to school, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so that it can be really easy to just see the, what do they say, the forest for the trees, right? Just to mm-hmm. see all the trees and not see that there is this forest. If you get in a plane and go really high up and look down and go, that's what we're building. Mm-hmm. And to have a vision of a future and the vision of the future 
is to know that your kids are your legacy. And, and just, just candidly, like I, I got to see my parents' generation process this to see them when they started turning 70. So my mm -hmm. dad and my father-in-law and then their siblings, when they mm -hmm. started turning about 70, they all of a sudden realized they're not in charge anymore. Oh, yeah. They're done. They're, they're retired and they're, they've been in ministry for years, but they're not in charge anymore. There's yeah. a younger generation, my age, their son's age, yep. who's now in charge. <laughs> and guess what? They can only influence. They're not leading anymore. Right. They can still influence but I might not take their advice anymore or the leader at their church might not take their advice anymore mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. the person that's in their job they used to have for 20 years, it, they're just not in charge anymore. Yeah. And, and it hit me like these really smart guys that I love and trust and you know been mentored and inspired by for years are having this realization that their legacy is people, right? Their legacy mm -hmm is all the people around them and so and and their kids too and it was really funny with my father-in-law to see him have this realization and then even more interest not that he never had an interest but even right. more interest in me and to and to be intentional about taking me out to, to coffee and asking me about my business and mm -hmm. things like that and it, like i love that but it's like we don't realize that that is our legacy like like my son is is his grandpa's legacy mm -hmm. right that, that to, the, to the second and third generation. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to see our kids as this liability, as a negative, preventing us from living out our dreams, mm -hmm. right? If I didn't have to change that stupid diaper, then I would finally be able to get my website finished. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> if, if I didn't have to figure out childcare, then I can actually go have friends, fun with my friends instead of having to be stuck at home because I can't find a babysitter tonight. It's mm -hmm. really easy to see them as a liability. And listen, we've, we've all been there. Mm -hmm. but, but to have that vision of the future, to know that they are going to be the torchbearers of the message that we shared with them beyond mm -hmm. the grave. Like mm -hmm. when, I, when, I'm, when I'm gone, the only people living out that message still, hopefully, prayerfully, are my kids and the people that I've impacted and the people that I've influenced. Mm -hmm. And so just to have that perspective to go, you know what? Like, it's, it's funny, my, my little four-year-old, I was looking at him the other day and I was just looking, I'm like, this kid's going to, we watched college football and they had like these features of like all the freshman players. Yeah. And I, and, and so there he is, my, my four-year-old and then a picture of this freshman player at, you know, at a college and they kind of look similar and it hit me in that moment. Oh, <gasps> my four-year-old's going to be a freshman in college one day. He's going to be a dad one day. Like he's yeah. going to be a husband one day. Yep. So that, that's, that's the key is to see that. And, and there's a few little exercises of, of how, to, how to really live that out. One of my favorite things to do is just, just to find 20, 25-year-old kids that, that go to my church and just, mm -hmm. to, just to ask them questions every once in a while. Like, what's your life like? Like, what's college like? What's career like? What, tell me about your job. And yeah. the reason I'm asking it, obviously I care for, for them, but I'm also thinking, you're just like my son. Like my yeah. son will be you one day. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you one, one other question that I didn't prep you for. Um, I'm ready. So you talked about, I've heard you talk about how you're an Enneagram three. So you yes. are, um, you know, driven to accomplish. And for a long time, I thought I was a three, but I'm a seven with a very strong three, like right behind. Yeah. Um, how do we shift 
to being focused to being people oriented like because there is a time like mm. i feel like i can't do both sometimes and i know that's probably not true mm. like if i'm in the zone i'm in the zone like i don't have yeah. time for like feelings yeah. and people and be sidetracked but then i'm at home i'm like i'm 100 home and i'm not doing work like how, how do i shift back and forth when i need to and and be able to balance both and not have to be one or the other yes it's all about I'm sure other people have that that struggle as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely. This happened yesterday. You know, one of the one of the teams I, I work with there, we were working on figuring out one problem. Like there was this mm-hmm. one problem that came up in our business and uh, it was on Voxer. So we have this voice, this, you know, message, 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 message. And, mm-hmm. and it started with the problem. So I identified this problem and I said, Hey, here's the problem. Here are a couple of solutions. What do you guys think? And then I was on some coaching calls. And so I didn't have, I was, I was gone for like two hours. And mm-hmm. then I went back into Voxer. It was five messages. And basically the whole conversation got derailed <laughs> and it was all about how we feel about the problem. Yeah. And, and I, as an Enneagram three, were like, you know, in my mind, I didn't say this out loud, but in my mind, I was like, I don't care how you guys feel. We got to fix the problem. Yeah. Here are three, so there are three ways to fix the problem. You choose which one, but we've got to fix that problem. Yeah. And, and it's all about, and, and the, the fun part of, of this conversation yesterday is it could have gone off the rails. Like as mm-hmm. a true Enneagram three, I could have burnt through all those yeah. relationships and they could be yes. really mad at me today. Yeah. But instead we clearly identified the expectations, clar- right, clarified the expectations. And so yeah. here's what I did. So I, I think you're, like I was talking about before, your, your kryptonite is also your superpower as, a, mm-hmm. as an Enneagram 7 who's an enthusiast, mm-hmm. is excited about new experiences and new opportunities and the new, new, new. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. focus on the new and make that your zone of genius. Yeah. And just know that about yourself. And as an Enneagram 3, I'm focused on accomplishment and, and winning. Like I, I just want to sell more, more numbers, more people. Like mm-hmm. I just want it to be awesome and win. Yeah. Um, and so, so what, what I did is, uh, you know, part, part of being Enneagram three is as an achiever is I need to know what achievement looks like. I, I need clear mm-hmm. expectations of what achievement looks like. So mm-hmm. when I, when I saw all those, they were kind of culture questions that people were asking, but it wasn't about solving the problem. Yeah. I went back to our five values of our company and I said, hey guys, just hopping in here. This is my vo- boxer from yesterday. Just hopping <laughs> in here. Um, thanks so much for sharing because you try to validate people's feelings. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing how you guys are feeling about this. Um, two of our company values really apply right now. And I, met, and I, and I mentioned what those were. One of them mm-hmm. is we address the difficult issues. Um, so as I said, number one, we address difficult issues. And so you're doing that. And it mm-hmm. sounds like one of the difficult issues is the, it's the feeling behind the project. And so I really appreciate you addressing that because that's part of our values. Mm-hmm. But number two is that it's all figure outable. That's one yeah. of our company values. I said, so here's the good news. I have a really good solution. And I, I'm not, I'm not, you guys know me, I'm not going to be the best at engaging my feelings about this. And I'm just going to let you guys continue to have that conversation. But moving forward, here's, here's three ways to figure this out. You know, a, Mm -hmm. we can continue dialoguing about this. Mm Um, uh, B, we can have a small group, not everybody, but a small group dialogue about this or C, you can just let me run with it. And here's how I would run Mm. with it. And here's the funny thing, Kimberly, I got three messages back, Brian, run with it, run with it, run with it. Yeah. Done. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and just, you just got to know, like, and, and it didn't come across as a jerk. 
It mm-hmm. didn't come across as like burning everybody. I, 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 I offered them the opportunity to be included, but I also said, listen, because it was kind of overwhelming everybody. That, that was the real issue. Yeah. And I said, instead of this overwhelming everybody, what if I just run with it and just take it off your plate? And that's actually what they were asking mm. for. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, so helpful. I think that's, you know, like, especially with knowing your family's values, yeah. you can go ahead and hold up whatever it is that you're struggling with or trying to overcome or faced with to your family values. And it often takes, I want to, I don't think this is the right expression, but it takes the sting out of yeah. like course correcting, you know, mm-hmm. to say, Hey, remember, remember this? Like, I know you don't want to do this, but we said we, you know, like, you know, yeah. excellence is important to us and we're going to show up even when we don't feel like it or whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with. And so, yeah, that's right. I mean, those values are really something we could go back to continuously. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. a, a specific example is like being late to church, you know, or mm-hmm. being late where, wherever you happen to go, like being late to the parent night at, at the school or being late mm-hmm. to a movie or where, like wherever you're going, yeah. like being late brings out some of the worst in, in our little family of five. Like yeah. everybody just, and people get mad. My little six-year-old daughter starts crying. Like I'm <laughs> fussing at everybody. Like everybody's just flustered. Yeah. And what we realize is the problem is like we haven't left yet. The problem isn't all of our feelings. The problem isn't what we're missing. The problem is we were just, the only solution is to leave. Like yeah. we have to leave. And so let's leave. And mm-hmm. what happens when we leave, even though we're late, the only solution to being late is to leave. Right. So once we leave, we're two or three minutes in the car and it's like, and all that tension that was happening at home, most of it's gone, Yeah. you know, because we left. Yeah. So, so I think in, in your family, if the issue is for us, it's usually we're hungry, you know, 520, <laughs> 530, nobody's nice to each other anymore because we're hungry. Mm-hmm. And Julie's really smart and she's figured out, wait a second, when the boys, because there's, there's my two sons and myself, when the boys are getting a little grumpy, because their bellies are empty, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's just solve the problem here. Here's a banana. Food's going to be another hour, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'll eat the banana. I'm like, okay, I can be a human again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. Um, all right, so we're wrapping it up. Let us know. I know we talked about a lot of things, but if there was one thing that you could tell our listeners what they could do today to start with their people, what would it be? Gratitude. Just, uh, well... I talked about this in the book, you know, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing the love language of, of one of your people. So I know the mm-hmm. love languages of all my kids, but let's just focus on spouse for a second. Cause that's mm-hmm. your most important relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, number, like, so I know that Julie's love language is, is acts of service. So I could say I'm grateful all day long to her, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really, it's in one ear out the other. Like, she, yeah, she likes to hear Julie, you're an amazing mom. She probably likes to hear that, yeah. but it doesn't do as much for her as me doing something for her, some act of service. So, mm-hmm. hey, you know what, Julie, you are such an amazing mom. You've been working so hard. Listen, I got it tonight. You're off the clock yeah, right now. Go for your now. run. <laughs> no, like you're officially, I did this the other day. You're officially off the clock right now. It was like six o'clock, yeah. you know? I'm like, I'm doing dinner. I'm doing bedtime. I'm doing baths, the whole deal. You're off the clock. And finally, Kimberly, she like believes me in this because this is, this is like how I can really serve her. Mm -hmm. uh, This is what she did. And it was like in 30 seconds, she got her purse, she got her keys, walked out the door, (laughs) she got in her car and she drove away. She went to her favorite spot, which is home goods. She was there for hours and it was easy. Like the night was better 
yeah. because I could just do my dad thing yeah. and she felt so loved. Mm-hmm. And I could have mm-hmm. said all the words or I could have given all the gifts, but it was just the act of service of like, I'm going to take the kids and you just go do your thing. Yeah. And so that's the one action step. Learn your spouse's love language mm-hmm. and love them. Like yeah. actually live that out. If, they're, if their love language is words of affirmation, write them specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, my love language is words of affirmation. I'm 41 mm-hmm. years old. And just, just yesterday, I was, I was, or on Friday, a couple of days ago, I was uh, moving around things in my office and I was throwing things away, like radically Marie Kondoing, like throwing everything <laughs> away. So I started taking pictures of stuff I've saved and then throwing it away instead of still keeping it. And yeah. one thing I finally threw away was when I turned 32 years old. So that's nine years ago. Yeah. And Julie had written this, like this little notebook, 32 reasons I love you mm-hmm. because my loveling is just words of affirmation. Yeah. And so I took a picture of every page and saved that to the cloud. And then I threw the thing away and I still mm-hmm. have it so I can go look at yeah. it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like your love language is something else. So hers is acts of service. So she, she'll rearrange my office. Doesn't mean a word. doesn't mean a thing to me, but mm-hmm. she writes 32 reasons. I love you. Oh, I saved it for nine years. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? So learn it and live it. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. Thank you so much for being with us today. You can find Brian at BrianDixon.com. He's on Instagram as Brian J. Dixon and on Facebook as Dr. Brian J. Dixon. You can find his book, Start With Your People, wherever books are sold. I'll link to all of this in the show notes. If you've been enjoying the show, we'd like to ask for a favor. Would you be willing to leave a short review on iTunes? We're passionate about helping families thrive and reviews help families find us. We really appreciate your support. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.